Good evening and welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and thrilled to be back with you again. And surprise, we've had technical issues before. Uh, we're having a few this evening, but we're hoping to get them worked out pretty quick here. Our guest lost connection and is working on getting back with us. But until we get him back on the screen here momentarily, I do want to give you guys a heads up to give me a little bit of grace this evening. As you hear, I sound kind of atrocious and probably look the same way as well. Uh, I've been dealing with an illness most of the week and has turned into COVID. So I'm at home, not feeling fantastic, but the show goes on. I do need to throw out a huge thank you. Obviously, if you guys tuned in for our last episode, it wasn't me on here. It was uh, Most Worshipful Brother Kellerman, who's a good friend of the show and has been on several times before. Uh, he was gracious enough to hop in and take over as host that evening with Most Worshipful Tony Borum uh, to cover that excellent es uh, episode on Tuscan Lodge because uh, I was dealing with some family matters with uh, my mother's health issues and wasn't able to be here for that. So huge thank you to Brother Kellerman for supporting the show like he always does by hopping in at the last minute's notice and being able to take that on for us. Very, very much appreciated. Well, brothers, it is a huge honor to be back. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on the show, and I'm really looking forward to talking to Brother Chris Neely, who we've got coming on this evening. Oh, I think I see a camera coming on, so let's see if we can get him on here real fast. What's going on, Hey, what's going on, brother? Uh, technical difficulties? <laughs> no worries at all. Uh, yeah, I... I, I we go from having 5G signal, uh, no problems at all, to my phone literally uh, claiming that it has no internet connectivity at all whatsoever. You know, that's that's the way it goes. And I was telling those listening that, uh, you know, we cover Masonic history, but if our show has a history of one thing, it's technical difficulty. So it, it's oh, all okay. <laughs> I like to honor history. Um, uh, and I hate to delay this anymore, but... Uh, in my furious rage and trying to get this to work, I walked to the office, unplugged our new router, plugged our new one in, or unplugged the new one, unplugged the old one back in, and in doing so, I actually took my notes with me. So, Not a two problem. seconds, Alex. Two seconds. And another apology. I just noticed I actually had the uh, the studio speakers on. So if you're getting a little bit of an echo there during the introductions, that should be gone now. Uh, sorry about that. And I might be cutting my mic out here and there just so I'm not coughing in your guys' ears. But, you know, Brother Neely has shared some really cool things uh, on Facebook over the last years that he's found in his lodge. And being the history nerd that I am, I'm always pinging when I see that stuff. Um, and we're going to kind of touch on those items this evening. And especially one that you guys might have seen recently that kind of ties into the Kansas Lodge research, which I talked about in the intro, shared an amazing uh, minutes book or a portion of one uh, with some damage. And we're going to cover that. But the thing is that damage can happen in many different ways and at a moment's notice. We never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So as we go through this, just keep in mind the things that we have in our in our lodge archives and our possession, uh, they're treasures. And you know, some of them are more rare than others and some less, but it's a shame to lose them. So especially our records and our historical documents, 
the sooner we can archive those and preserve that data, the better, because God forbid something happens to the physical form, at least we don't lose the written history. Uh, because with so many of these lodges, like Most Worshipful Kellerman, who I was talking about earlier, dropped off some stuff today from lodges that had merged decades and decades ago. Nobody's even heard of them. The history's gone if we lose those books. So really, really important stuff. I'm going to shut up here, and I need to introduce our guest this evening, Brother Chris Neely from Hayes, Kansas. Brother, thank you so much for joining in with us. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm actually kind of uh, giddy just to be to be involved and to be on your show. Um, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Fantastic. Um, Thrilled to have you. So I, uh, I'm the master of Hayes Lodge. Um, I have been for some time. And as well, I'm the uh, area deputy grandmaster for Area 1, which is uh, northwest Kansas. Um, Alex invited me to come and, uh, and discuss some of the things that I found while, uh, frankly, just cleaning my lodge. Um, uh, in 2020, uh, I, I'm, I'm a state employee, and the governor sent us home for, for two weeks, even though my agency works remotely anyway from pickup trucks. Um, we pleaded with her, but she had her way. So we went home for a couple of weeks and, and in that time uh, I'd come up to the lodge and, and start straightening things up and, and doing so found a number of really great things. Um, and I've continued to do that. It, it doesn't, there, there's shelves in the office where we congregate once a month. And, and even tonight I found things that are, are worth sharing that are worth saving and preserving that, have histories of their own. It's just phenomenal uh, what what our lodges hold in, in terms of, of physical history and, and things to tie into other things. No doubt. No doubt. Brother, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. I can't wait to dive in. But before we do, I want to get a little better understanding of, of who you are, a little bit of an icebreaker uh, before we jump into the main conversation here. Two questions we typically ask is one did you have family history in freemasonry prior to yourself uh i did okay. um however it it wasn't uh, i'm not a lewis i uh my dad's not a freemason my uh, grandfather uh, neither grandfather uh it was a freemason and uh i take that back i take that back uh, one grandfather joined uh, in Topeka. I don't recall which lodge, and he joined specifically to go to Arab Shrine. And um, uh, for for whatever reason, he decided he didn't really fit in. So he he had his apron and he had um, the fez that I still have and a Masonic ring, but you know there wasn't a whole lot of depth there. But his uh, older brother, who was from South Carolina who uh, lived quite a lot longer than my, my own grandfather did. Um, he's really the reason that I'm, I'm here. Uh, we spoke about it a lot. I, I'm, I'm a college fraternity guy, uh, so I, I did a lot of ritual. And I took that very seriously. And um, he, he knew that. We, we discussed uh, some of the overlap. And, and uh, one day he called me while I was working and, and said, I want you to do me a favor. And... Um, perhaps foolishly, I said anything, and he was like, "Just go get that petition and fill it out." <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so when people say like, well, nobody solicits you, like, well, I mean, sure. Yeah. So I went and I, I filled out the petition and here I am in Hayes Lodge. Um, after the fact, I found out that my uh, grandmother's father was uh, a Freemason in Burlingame, Kansas. And he was the man who taught everybody the work. They'd go to the coal room and they'd sit next to the furnace and uh, he would do it all mouth to ear. And, and coming from the college fraternity where I really owned that stuff and then coming into this after having kids and everything. And I was kind of like, and it's gone. My ability to do this stuff is not what it was. And then once I heard that, I'm like, we're talking about a, a literal, you know, like a coal miner with a ton of kids that had, and he was doing it all mouth the ear. No, no, Chris, we're going to, we're going to do this. So that's why I've started to kind of learn things and, and why I, I took a look at the stair lecture and I'm like, we're, we're going to do it. And, and so we can do, I shouldn't have said that publicly, Alex, can we redact <laughs> that? Like, I don't want anybody to know that I can do the stair. We're live. <laughs> this is out there. Yeah. This is bad. This is bad. No, that's fantastic, man. So we've learned a little bit about what brought you to Freemasonry. I'm curious, though, what's kept you around? Um, uh, A combination of things. Um, The idea of self-improvement, of service, um, esprit de corps, camaraderie, brotherhood, uh, a, a challenge. Did I already say a challenge? Um, you know, it's a project. It's a hobby. Um, a lot of my other hobbies have taken a backseat to coming up here and digging into things. And um, just when I, I feel my, my spirit to start to wane, I find something in the vault or in a closet or rolled up and stuffed next to a locker and it just, it's electrifying and you go like, yeah, this is it. So, um, that's always the funnest stuff to find too. That's, that's the type of nerd I am. I love digging through lodges and old rooms. I haven't been touched in years. Yeah. Alex, I know it's not your preferred, uh, format for a guy to go on a walkabout and show things, but just tonight, tonight alone, just setting some things up as props. Because uh, Alex asked me at uh, 6.40 this morning to be a part of his show <laughs> through no fault of his own. And, and so I, I'm like, well, I don't, ooh, I can't extemporaneously speak quite that much. So I was at the lodge and I was throwing some stuff out. And uh, um, just, just even this evening, I found some things that were really kind of cool. We cannot wait to get into them. So... My only thing is, is your cell phone signal going to hold up walking around, you think? Well, I've switched to Wi-Fi. Like I said, I got, uh, we started switching over to a brand new, better router or, uh, and, uh, things didn't work. So just, I, I went in there and grabbed all the old stuff and plugged it in and it was like, you're connected to Hayes Lodge. So I think we're okay. Fantastic. Nothing quite so infuriating as going from our test call that we had earlier to my phone saying like, you can't do anything. You're dead in the water. So where is it all? Well, of course, you know, it always works great in the, uh, in the test call and then 
before. It's, you know, it's kind of like Masonic ritual, right? You, you've got it down, mm, perfect. Yeah. You get up there and it's like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, real quick, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone watching over on the Facebook side. And Brother Kenneth Beeler saying in the comments here, bringing up some Masonic history, tomorrow marks the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. And if you guys aren't up to date on what they're doing out there, we actually covered it several episodes back with Brother Brian Simmons up in Massachusetts. The Grand Lodge of Massachusetts has some amazing festivities lined up around uh, that history and that anniversary. Definitely check that out. Go find their website and see if you can get up there and be a part of that because it is history in the making. It's going to be really, really cool to see. Now, I'm excited to hear about Hayes Lodge. For one reason, I've been wanting to get out to Hayes for some time now, and it's been hinted and nudged, and Grand Lodge says we're holding this there and holding that there. And well, I think COVID kind of all, you know, well, it's back. But, uh, I have not had the opportunity and I've been that, that nerdy guy on Facebook, just having to watch you have all the fun <laughs> digging through stuff. So I, yeah, I can't wait to, to see around and see some of the awesome things you've gotten and then kind of tie in, uh, how the Kansas Lodge research can maybe help with some of that. Yeah. And, and we do, I, I made the plug for the, uh, archival kits, but I have to admit I'm the guiltiest of them all. I, I've not, checked one out, but we, we desperately need to. Um, as our history shows, and a lot of lodges can mirror it, um, anything can happen at any time, and suddenly you don't have anything. And so, you know, you need to really take proactive steps to get, get out in front of that. Um, now, Alex, I know you've asked me if I, I could go into the history of Hayes Lodge, and if if that's what you'd like, I can do that right now. Yeah, yeah, let's touch on that before we see some okay. of the items. Yeah, so um, Hayes is one of those towns that we were part of the Westward expansion. Uh, there is an Army fort in Hayes, and hence the Fort Hayes State University thing. And um, uh, very much a, a Wild West town. I believe it's in uh, Dances with Wolves, and uh, it, it's kind of a wild place. And uh, it was in 1770, or 17, 1878, um, a call went out uh, in the newspaper uh, looking for Master Masons to form a lodge in Hayes. And they, they didn't have many Master Masons show up, but they had like 200 people or something show up that were interested in the craft. And so they started putting things together. And we were officially chartered in 1880. And we were meeting in a, a building downtown, uh, the Downing Hall which was the land office. And we met there for the first five years. And then we went to another, uh, they're calling it in our history, the Ryan hall, which was a, uh, a block and a, uh, it had a store and a warehouse. And we were meeting on top of that much in the old tradition of meeting on top of a store, which just alone, I'm like, yay, we were part of that. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's not mentioned on the walking tour in Hayes, but Hayes has these giant bra uh, bronze, um, signs and a walking tour in Ryan's uh, block is part of that stop. And we were there until 1881 until we got to our new spot uh, here on Main Street uh, in 1889. And uh, uh, looking through these minute books the other day, um, last Sunday, as a matter of fact, just I was bored and I needed to get out of the house. Uh, so I came up here and, and, and went through these books. In 1929, these guys borrowed $15,000 to remodel the lodge. And I'm like, 
Yo, wow. that's a bunch of money. And and so they did that in 1929, and then it burned down in 1943. And uh, there, there's pictures I think I've posted online, perhaps, maybe not in the Kansas Freemasonry uh, page, but I may, I may repost those anyway. But, um, you know, it was a beautiful old uh, uh, western town sort of building, uh, corner entrance, with a huge, like, marble edifice on Main Street. And so after it burned down, we obviously rebuilt in the exact same spot. That got done in 1948. And uh, I've actually pulled out blueprints from the rebuild, oh, as wow. well as some of the uh, correspondence with the architect. And and the neat thing about the architect is um, I learned this while applying for a grant. Um, the gentleman was a uh, uh, immigrant from uh, Eastern Europe. I, I think it was Poland. And his name was Joseph Radoninsky. And if you Google him, you can find him on Find a Grave. And uh, he's in a mausoleum, and his, uh, his first name is, on, you know, the top line. And the second, or his last name on the bottom line, but right in between is a square and compass. So this was, this was brother, Radoninsky, and he was actually the state architect for the state of Kansas. He was appointed by the governor. Interesting. So our building was built by an architect of some note. So it's got that really cool... Um, mid-century modern it, it's kind of a little bit transitional between uh um uh help me out here um art deco and oh, mid-century yeah. modern so you know, on the yeah, front of our building yeah the front of our building we've got those stacked horizontal windows and that giant uh steel banded uh totem pole with all of our uh, logos on it so it's, right. it, it's a pretty cool spot and you guys actually just redid like your front sign just a few years ago, correct? We did. We did. And and we did make a choice where it had been kind of like a polished banding, um, but it, it's kind of in rough shape. So it's it's now black, but we, we repainted everything. We got brand new signs and we've converted to LED. And, you know, the tradition is that you turn on the lodge light on lodge night, the chapter light on chapter night, but we're kind of thinking very few people are probably traveling through haze going like, well, let me see if the Eastern star light is on because I want to knock on the door. Right. So now we're on a timer and they all, all four or five, whatever, however many there are out there, they all just turn on every night and kind of display. And then I get to tell people like, Oh yeah, the entrance is under the giant Masonic sign. It's like 40 feet tall. And they're like, my whole life never noticed it. Yeah. No, I was, uh, I mentioned that because I was super proud of you guys. I mean, you're kind of, in my mind, a staple for Kansas because, I mean, it, th this is a worldwide problem, right? Our, our temples are, are falling apart and crumbling and uh, it's, it's hard for everyone to keep up with them. And we, we see that happen so much that yeah. every lodge you go to has just got kind of crap falling apart and you just look the other way. And you guys weren't just, you know, throwing some spray paint. I mean, you guys had crews out there. You had a crane out yeah. there. You were really investing and in saying, okay, this, this building means something to us. This organization means something. We're going to secure its future. And that was, that was huge. You know, it, it's a matter of ownership. And I don't want to get this convoluted in case uh, any of my brothers from, from Hayes are here listening. It, it's not about being a good mason or a good man or any of these other things it's just if you go to like a, a first aid course 
Mm-hmm. They tell you like, okay, you're getting ready to give CPR on somebody. You need to do two things. You need to be doing CPR, but you also need the professionals coming. You don't yell out, somebody call 911. You go, you call 911. And, and that's the thing. Nobody felt, you know, no one was given that direction, that, that ownership of the task. And, and in our case right now, I've got to say, like, uh, when it comes to all these, like, physical building improvements, like, sure, like, it might have been kind of my idea, whatever, but um, our presumptive uh, master next week, hopefully, mm-hmm. Dustin Larson. Dustin's our guy. So I have to give a shout-out to Dustin. We A new roof, and we want someone to watch the roofers. Dustin. <laughs> you know, the, the sign, all that, so... Fantastic. Good for you guys. Yeah, you're you're really leading by example, and that that's really really fantastic. So you uh, ready to go look at some stuff? Or Let's do it. Let's see what you got. Everybody's got bear with me. We're gonna do a little camera switch. It's a creepy view. I feel like a baby and you're holding me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to say. <laughs> okay, so this is the this is the picture that started it right yes. here. And uh, I, I don't think this is actually the page. So if we look at this book, the, the front is uh, um, 1948 to 1951 and uh, 1951 in Kansas actually 1951 1953 and maybe one other year was just phenomenal in terms of the floods there were three major floods in 1951 including the ones that got the Kansas City stockyards uh, in Manhattan and Topeka and so this book Evidently, the secretary, because the, the Hayes Lodge has always been on the second floor, so we're you know we're thirty feet above the ground, and I know it wasn't that bad. Um, so evidently, the secretary was taking the book home, or something. That's um, that's possible. I I don't know about the Hayes flood, but I know like you mentioned with the stockyards and stuff in Kansas City in that time period. I mean, the floods were insane, really. I mean, there's pictures yeah. of the downtown Kansas City one where people are literally sitting on rooftops, and it looks like they're yeah. on the shoreline. So, well, I mean, maybe so. Maybe that was it. Um, so, uh, uh. Trying to think here, it was it was something like eleven inches of rain, seven miles west of Hayes in two hours. Wow! And, and so there was no time to get anybody out. And um, this flood in 1951, um, there were actually fatalities here in Hayes, and and one of them was the stepson of the uh, emeritus president of uh, Fort Hayes University, a, a gent named uh, L. D. Wooster. And um, in the course of getting ready for this thing, I, so I pulled out the flood book, and then I, I pulled out this older book because um, quite a while ago, I just, again, randomly, absolutely randomly going through um, history, I find that there's a Masonic uh, cornerstone on Fort Hay State University that's not in the history of the Kansas Grand Lodge. 
really? they list those. They list those out in the history of Kansas Masonry, but ours isn't there. So I pull out this book and I start looking. And I opened it tonight with the intention of showing you all the entry. But instead, what I find is that um, on November 3rd, 1919, L.D. Wooster um, where are we at? L.D. Wooster had his uh, petition read in our lodge in 1919. So he's a member of Hayes Lodge in 1919. In 1951, his son is killed in the flood. Wow. And, and so just, just this evening, like I said, just this evening opening these books up, there's already history of not only masonry, but of, of haze. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, so many of our brothers look at those minute books and they just see these boring books and at surface level. Yeah. Minute books are written extremely in a boring manner. Uh, but as Masons, we kind of understand what those minute books mean and how the flow of the meeting goes. And it gives us the ability to kind of read between the lines and then when you're able to add data points like what you just showed, you're able to connect a lot of dots with external history as well. Uh, so they do become quite valuable. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then just by chance, I opened this page and that says Neely, although it's not spelled right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's missing the third E. It's N-E-E-L-E-Y for me, but this is N-E-E-L-Y. And again, one of the funny things is that our secretary, Dennis Johnson, owns land that was previously owned by Neely's that spelled it this way. There's a, a one-room stone house still on that property um, where this man lived. I don't know if it was this man, but a Neely lived there, uh, drove a Model T without brakes, and uh, dug snake root, which is a, uh, a natural source of Novocaine. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Well, I mean, I would imagine if it wasn't them, they were probably related. I would think. I would think. Uh, so if you're fine, I'm, I'm moving on, Alex. I'm yeah, yeah, on. yeah. So, you know, so many of our lodges have got the Knight Templar sword for the... Uh, um, Tyler sword and with any luck next week I'll be the Tyler okay so we're going through some things and, and we start finding different swords and, and lockers and, and things like that so I'm taking a look at this one and it, it kind of looks like a real deal and I don't think we get a, a good a, a good view on that but you know we got a square and compass on the on the scabbard and I did some research, and these swords, they're not marked in any way, um, but they follow a, a union pattern. And um, I believe they were assembled from parts left over during the Civil War and, and sold in catalogs specifically for um, fraternal use. Interesting. Uh, but as the presumptive Tyler, if I can get there, the out of the door. This is the sword that I'll be using. Um, this sword is marked 
U.S. CWA 1964. This is a genuine um, Union Army musician sword. And, and that's the sword that I will choose to use. And that was in a, a closet or a locker. I don't remember which. And, and so for me, that's, that's what it will be. That's really, really cool. Do you, do you happen to know uh, how those were acquired? Primarily I, that one? I do not. That's the, over uh, um, the course of last Sunday, I began to look um, to see if I could find that. So I grabbed the earliest minute book to see if I could find a, a notation of someone donating it, but, but I don't know. Now, I mean, think about when Hayes Lodge is, you know, coming together in the late 1870s, 1880. Right. We're not very far removed at all. So some of those gentlemen absolutely um, brought their swords with them. Uh, uh, Saint, or Mount Allen Cemetery in Hayes is filled with the graves of Union soldiers. I mean, you've got wow. a ton of them. So. You know, I, I think that's a really cool aspect to have implemented in the lodge. I mean, yeah, you're right. We see the Knights Templar swords pretty much at every lodge. And, you know, no disrespect to those brothers. Uh, but, you know, it's not blue right lodge masonry, right? And right. when you see that, it's kind of like beyond masonry, we're, we're men first. And we, we come from the world around us. And when you see implements like that, it really ties that in. Uh, it ties, you know, who those men were that were part of that lodge. And those individuals really make up that lodge and it gives you insight into the personality of that lodge, what it was like, what the members were like. Personally, I really like that tie in. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, I, being, being, if, if I get to be the Tyler after seven years, of the master, if I get to be the Tyler, uh, that, that, that's, that's the sword. Um, Moving over here for those uh, York right guys, you might recognize my tabletop here. It uh, belongs in a museum. But uh, <laughs> uh, here's the. Uh, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm I'm probably messing your stuff up. But here's a correspondence from the architect. Oh, uh, sweet. So I mean, just so many of these things, but uh, in in a fireproof file cabinet in a drawer that is labeled uh, um, like Masonic Concerns or something like that. My favorite folder is, is this one that says Masonic Material. Yes, gentlemen, that is why we are here. It is the Masonic Material. Thank you. It's very descriptive. Not, not, the, uh, not the rest of the massive file cabinet, but particularly right. that folder. <laughs> right. So um, this is the second floor. This is the lodge room there you know the lodge level of the masonic hall and you know it's a um our building is 7500 square feet per floor we got three floors so it is a massive building wow. right Did not realize it was that big yeah so we've always had a store underneath us we've been very fortunate for that excuse me it, it's yeah so there's the basement the main floor and then the masonic floor Okay. And so you can imagine the size of this preparation room. Wow. Yeah. And then I don't know what CR stands for, Alex. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but it, it doesn't seem like something that we should be doing, whatever it is. It seems kind of sketchy. Maybe I might have, some, uh, might have some skulls in there. 
No, no. But it's interesting because this is not actually how our lodge is laid out. We, we don't have a preparation room that size. Um, it's actually uh, here in the vestibule. Um, so this whole area down here became a uh, um, commandery uh, locker room. So it's just a, a very large room. So we don't have that preparation room or those two uh, ritual closets, as the plans indicated. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of it, – it's very um, – need to find this and take a look at it and, and to ask, have that. Let me ask you this from, you know, being in your lodge that long and being able to explore around, do you think it was ever that way and maybe changed over time or was there potentially just a change in planning at the, uh, at the build phase? I don't believe so. I, I think if I open these envelopes, which I, I've wanted to do for a very long time is look at the correspondence with the architect I think once I do that, we're going to find that, sorry, Alex, I'm pushing the wrong things. I think we're going to find that the, uh, the build was changed. Um, so here we go. You know, as, as someone that used to work construction, though, I am a, a uh, nerd for those old school blueprints like that. And I haven't seen ones that good except for the, uh, the Grand Lodge ones that are scanned in, which are awesome to look at. Sorry, Alex, I keep forgetting to put you into a landscape mode. <laughs> I'm very, very sorry for being a belligerent uh, misuser of your, your platform. <laughs> no, you're great, brother. Yeah, so for me, I've always been uh, an architect nerd. Uh, I made a post about architecture on my personal profile on Facebook the other day. Um, you know, it was always kind of one of those things I thought I'd, you know, perhaps even go into. And, and to see these blueprints and, and the correspondence with somebody, um, I'm really looking forward to get the opportunity to look into those. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm stoked to hear once you get to that point. And also the plans to preserve those, how you guys plan to make sure those are around for years to come, or at least the data within. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We need to, um, we need to scan everything that we can. Um, and it's a project that um, we've had. Hayes Lodge in the past 10 years has had very, very large practical concerns, um, just concerned with our survival. Um, so we really had to put our focus into that and, and being able to do um, what we need to do and do it the way that it's supposed to be done. Um, if anybody's read the... Uh, um, uh, bylaw proposals that have been uh, published now, you might see a little bit of truth in what I, I said uh, about how things were in Hayes when I started. I mean, that, that bylaw idea didn't come out of thin air. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, Hayes Lodge is a big lodge, but our guys live in Pennsylvania, and they live in Kansas City, and they live in Denver. Doesn't do me a lot of good as a master. So yeah. things are a big struggle. Not, not so much anymore. But yeah, and you know, that's, I mean, honestly, when, when we think about that, because you mentioned Hayes is a big lodge and there's a lot of lodges around the state that have a much smaller membership that honestly just shouldn't still be around, but we have for one reason or another. I mean, I can say mm -hmm. uh, Gardner for one, honestly should have probably died years ago. Um, but you know, the one thing there is we had membership because back in the day there was a big military 
base here, the uh, the Olathe Naval Base that was huge for World War II. And as guys were coming through and being stationed there, it was kind of turned into a tradition. They became Masons. And we had you know years and years where, God, they'd have several degrees per week. Um, and now those guys live all over the United States, and but they're not in no. lodge, right? <laughs> you, keep, you keep your mother lodge. Yeah. So you, you might move, but you, you, it's the, that tradition of you maintain your mother lodge membership. But then, you know, on the one hand, it's helpful. They get your dues money. But, you know, if they need to meet a quorum of seven instead of five and yep. you, know, you, got, you got 20 people that live in town and you're like, man, you guys are a big lodge. Yeah. Yes and no. But functional because the lights turn on is not functional in all ways. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny that you mentioned the, the, the Naval Lodge and the kind of tradition, I think you said. But uh, uh, one of our members who, who's now passed joined Freemasonry in Seattle. He went to work at Boeing. And I, I think it was like the supervisor on his floor was all like, so uh, Monday you're going to be a Freemason. And uh, that's just uh, this, this department uh, joins the lodge. So uh, there you go. And, and the railroad was the same way. And uh, the one lodge that Hayes has taken on in consolidation was called Apollo Lodge. It was 15 miles west in Ellis. And uh, they Ellis was a huge railroad hub. And so I imagine they were uh, probably the same way. And in fact, there's a... I'd like to show it, but I think if I went and grabbed the picture and tried to show you it would, on this phone, it would probably not look very good. But... Um, you know, I was going through this box of pictures that for the first time I saw this evening and I pulled out this little bitty sliver of a picture and it, it's uh, Mason sitting at a large secretary desk and I'm like, I must have either been the old lodge or wait a minute, there's a giant Union Pacific crest hanging on the side of the desk. It was Apollo Lodge. <laughs> like it had to be. <laughs> And so it's kind of uh, these little interesting things that you can pull together. But Apollo Lodge provides an example of something that we keep talking about. I found these pictures. I found a few records. But we have nothing in terms of furniture from Apollo Lodge, which leads me to believe that we didn't get everything. Sure. So Walter Chrysler of Chrysler cars, you young youngins, Masons may not know anything about. Um, you know, he's a famous Freemason from our area that I should have records of his, I should find his name somewhere in this lodge so I can scan it and do something with it, but where is it? Is it, is it with the two pillars we should have brought? Is it with the altar? Because they're not here. So when we do these consolidations, we need to be absolutely sure that we're going through the right process and we're getting, we're, we're securing that history and bringing it back in. Yeah. Um, because if there's ever a hope of rekindling a Masonic presence somewhere or maintaining that connection to that town, doing something with that history is probably going to be a big part of it. It's either history or money. So, I mean, like, take a pick. I was having a <laughs> I was having a very similar conversation uh, with a brother, uh, past grandmaster earlier today, uh, just about that, about the uh, the implements of a lodge, and 
you know, they're closing down, no plans to what to do with them. They're probably going to get left behind. And we see that happen so much. I mean, yeah. uh, just a couple years ago, the the big auction was like pretty much purely lodge items, right? And I mean, we, we see that so much left behind or they end up on eBay and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there was a lady in Hayes trying to sell, uh, I think it was an apron on Facebook and she wanted astronomical money and she was being a real jerk to everybody. And I'm like, it's literally just an apron lady. Like it's, we're not. And then somebody's actually got a huge, um, uh, master seat with, uh, uh, the, the flanking two seats. It's like a whole huge piece. They were trying to sell, and it's just like, how does this stuff get out of? How do, how oh, do we lose sure. control? Which I mean, that's why the lodge is consolidating is because nobody's yeah. taking ownership and like you know whatever. But not necessarily. I don't want to offend anybody, but because I mean, consolidations happen for different reasons. So don't take that yeah. the wrong way, brothers. Um, but when we do consolidations, I think what was it? Uh, Aubrey just consolidated. I think so. That right. Aubrey and uh, Stanley. They did a, a bang up job on making sure that they've, you know, at least secured a legacy in their hometown. And I know that uh, Right Worshipful Doug Wilkinson, he did something the same, I think, in uh, Blue Springs or can't remember the name of the town north of uh, Manhattan. The same deal. I mean, you know, there's there's no reason to just pull the whole thing out and leave. If we can if we can leave a tie into a community and continue to have a Masonic presence, let's yeah. do that. You know, why, why would we not? You know, to touch, pardon me, <coughs> trying not to cough here tonight. Uh, I think an important aspect to tie in before we jump away from it is, you know, finding some of those items online because there's a lot of our brothers that, you know, maybe own those aspects or this and that. And we've had brothers uh, here before that, you know, have gotten irritated at me for my personal opinion that's, you know, it's not always my uh, preference to see those placed into public facing auctions. I, I think sometimes it's going to happen either way. I think it's, it's less harmful for it to happen to Masons versus public facing. That's when I, I just really am not a fan of, of selling our goods to the public. And the reason why is exactly what you just said about, we find those out there for these astronomical prices. Not just that we find them all over eBay saying satanic, uh, Illuminati, devil worship, all this magic spells. I, I found literally our, our minute books online saying uh, satanic, Luciferian, magic money spells. And it just, I mean, it's BS. But, but did you check the money spells, Alex, to make sure that uh, that, that might have actually worked at that point? But <laughs> I mean, but, you know, we, we fight so much this this public image of those BS remarks. And then yeah, we do. when we allow those to go out there, it harms us in multiple ways because one, it further drives that. That becomes those hot keywords that we find out there. It solidifies that. We got randos buying these minute books and these other aspects because they think they're going to have some magic spell when they're only important to guys like us. And then we can't get our hands on them because someone wants $5,000 for something that holds no value to anybody but you and me. Yeah. And through the Kansas Lodge research, we personally dealt with that a few years ago. There was a lodge that was defunct. I had actually never even heard of it before, completely shut down. 
and a profane had the had a box that he had got from an estate sale from every book and record from their entire existence from under dispensation to the closing day and he wanted like i think he wanted ten thousand dollars or something and it was just this hostile conversation you'll pay me this or i'm gonna take it in the backyard and incinerate it right now and you know it was that same type of stuff he's putting it out there saying it's all this nefarious stuff and i'm just you know i'm not a fan because it hurts us in multiple ways that data there that's all we had for that particular lodge that's all that you know still existed from their existence and we couldn't get our hands on it at the time because because of that particular reason so when we do that to public facing it 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 drives and promotes that high bid culture to the wrong people and that's you know we struggle with our our personal image to the public already as it is Oh yeah, yeah. This makes it worse, unfortunately. It digs yeah. a little deeper. I, I had my first meaningful, like, I think I know what you're getting at conversation the other day. It was with somebody that we know. They they've coached our kids and very nice people. But the guy was like, "Hey, I heard a rumor about you," and I'm like, "Uh, panic. Uh, what now?" And he's like, "Oh, I heard you're a Freemason." Meanwhile, I'm wearing my cowboy boots that have got the Past Masters logo on them sticking out, but he doesn't know what that is. So then he you know, starts asking me questions and, you know, he's very good natured about it. He was very, you know, polite, but underneath that, knowing what I know about it, and that guy legitimately is wondering what it is that I do, what kind of a person I am, because he doesn't, he doesn't know. So I drank a bunch of bourbon and I got on eBay and I bought um, Freemasonry for dummies and uh, I'm going to give it to him. There you go. I figured that was probably the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had a similar uh, experience. Uh, actually, just Friday night at my wife's work uh, holiday party. Went up to get a drink and lady, I didn't know from Adam, but she knew my wife and recognized me. And she goes, oh, you're, you're a vet's husband? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good to meet you. She goes, you're in the Illuminati, right? Uh, sure. And she just walks away. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if she was joking or not, but it is what it is at this point that conversation yeah. concluded. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've, I've had people make kind of like, you know, kind of like little fun, fun remarks that you're like, yeah, okay. I already hire, hire, hire. But, but this conversation was different, you know, very, very friendly. We continue to talk through throughout the evening, which was, uh, you know, our kids, uh, concert. Um, but, he definitely had real, I think he had real concerns about what we do or what I do. And, and since we see each other regularly, you know, Hayes has got like 20,000 people in it. So, I mean, I think it's important that I do something. Definitely. Um, definitely. Because it's, you know, he's a, he's a very good dude and, and I, I need him to know that we're, you know, kindred spirits. If not, if masonry's not for him, that's fine, but he needs to at least know that I'm not, coming up here and uh riding the goats alex <laughs> Where, where's the end broadcast button <laughs> is that the word <laughs> you, need, you need to put that on your uh, onboarding email that you send out don't say the g word don't say the g word no oh unless you're an odd fellows that's that's where it comes right yeah, that was a great episode i i recommend it every time i have an opportunity to so we've got uh, Brother Michael Stoops 
And I don't know if he's writing from Ireland or the U.S. I think he might actually be here right now. Oh. But he, he brings up a point on your giving the uh, Freemasons for Dummies uh, to a profane said, so Freemasons for Dummies is okay, but the chairs of a defunct lodge is not. That's an interesting point. What, what are your thoughts, brother? You know, I'm honestly less concerned with the physical property uh, falling in uh, to private hands. It is, you know, it kind of sucks. I'd rather it didn't. Um, but there's not a lot going on there. You know, I, I can look at the pillars and I'm like, oh, that's a really neat thing. Or uh, Brother Troy Miller, uh, who lives here in Hayes, he bought an entire lodge off eBay um, from Southeast Kansas. His his work or his uh, TV stand is an altar. Um, gorgeous, beautiful altar, better than, not better, but, you know, fancier than Hayes Lodge altar. Um, and, and that's, with no disrespect to the brother, that kind of makes me cringe a little bit. It, 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 well, he, he was kind of looking around and he was like, wait a minute. And he asked the guy like, well, um, what else do you have? And it turns out it was a lodge that just recently uh, fell out of you or, you know, just closed in Southeast Kansas. So he was like, do not sell anything else. Hmm. And so he went and got it. And I, I don't know the rest of the details, but he got everything. And so physical furniture, you know, it's, it's neat. Um, I'd prefer it stay within the fraternity, but it's not its not that priceless history that our minute books are. Um, you know, you're not really... Save like a, a pencil written signature underneath an altar or a stenciled on and find out that the thing was built in Lawrence or the KC Bottoms or something like that. You're not going to get a whole lot from that, that furniture. Um... Now, I think, you know, Freemasonry for Dummies was written in a way that it's, it's very targeted towards um, the uninitiated. It's, you know, it's not displaying any secrets or anything else like that, and it's a very informational thing. Um, I wasn't just going to throw the book at the guy either. Um, there was going to be a letter involved that, you know, indicated that I... I and not in any way trying to encourage him to join Freemasonry. I just need to not have this family that we know in Hayes walking around thinking that we're weirdos. Um, so I just want to do it in terms of building a bridge, um, getting an ally, getting someone that knows that our, our order is benign, um, you know, that we're you know, benevolent and we're trying to do things. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I agree too. I think that you know the way that particular book was written was definitely public facing. Um, you know, to Stoop's point, I, I don't know so much that just the mere fact of implements of a lodge being in the public disturbs me. It's it's more that what it's more what I've seen when that happens, and it's you know the sales aspect is it's purely because we do get it on eBay, and if it wasn't on there for you know a minute book for $5,000 advertising satanic spells. You know, if someone was like, Hey, 15 bucks for a minute book, 20, but what? Oh, sweet. You know, you, you saved history, something that would have gone in the trash and that's useful to me. I'd pay 20 bucks all day long. But when, you know, it hits that other way that rubs me the wrong way. And I think harms us more. Yeah. For example, when, uh, when they were moving out of the grand lodge, 
Uh, it was on the York right side, but uh, the York right guys had a bunch of stuff they weren't taking with them and they threw it all in the dumpster out back. Uh, there were seals from, you know, uh, the York right side. I don't know exactly old historic seals, bunch of documents, all that. And it all ended up on eBay under those terms. And I talked to the guy and he's, you know, very much of that aspect. Hey, it sells. I get it, but <laughs> it's, it's also crappy. It doesn't, doesn't help us, but no, it doesn't. And, and even like old seals and stuff, if you go to Harold Warp's Pioneer Village in Nebraska, you'll see how they display seals. I mean, you, you take a nice piece of paper or something, you stamp it, you put the seal and the stamp both in a, a case so you can see what they both look like, and boom, you're there. What does it take up to store those? Um, it's a double-edged it's just, sword, though, at the same time, because where do we put it all? You know you know what I mean? As, as we are losing more and more... I, I don't have all the answers. I don't think. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're talking about double-edged swords. Owning a temple is a double-edged sword, but this, this is conversation cool. for another day, I think. But yeah. uh, um, well, I don't want to. I don't want to take up the whole time talking on that because I do want to touch on where Hayes is at today and the future for Hayes as well as we near the end of the hour. Um, so we're kind of uh, we're not entirely out of the woods, but we've got. Uh, Pretty good turnout, um, uh, comparable with anybody in terms of percentages here in, in Hayes. Um, you know, we're continuing to plan for the future and and uh, keep an eye on on things. We know that we're not anywhere near um, kicking back and relaxing, so we uh, we do make use of a quasi progressive line, and we, we plan. We're trying to plan ahead of time and and make sure that we continue to keep working. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely essential that we don't, we don't let up now. Um, so just continue to review our situation and what we can do better. And, um, we just can't get complacent. We just got to keep moving forward. Uh, we're not a, a crazy come from behind win story. We're, uh, came from behind and now we're okay story. And, and that's all there is to it. So continue to keep, chipping away <laughs> well you know i'm really hopeful that i do get the opportunity uh and if not for an event or something just of my own merit to get off my butt and get out there and see you again in person but also to visit or nerd through some of your stuff i want to say pardon me with uh most worshipful stoops in the comments here and i'm please correct me if i'm wrong i want to say stoops is the one that had like leadership academy planned for being in mm -hmm. Hayes was that correct? Yep. And that, that was COVID that hit us, and I we, we yep. took we got COVID. In. I was I was looking forward to coming out there. Yeah, it would have been great. Are there any plans for something like that in the future, possibly? Do we? Well, have you heard Let's anything see. about maybe getting no. back mm -hmm. out there? No, I have not. We can we can nudge. We can nudge. Yeah, we, we can not. We, I think Leadership Academy would go okay. I think that's probably the right size and the right crowd. But uh, um, we're, we are kind of out here. That's what I Well, that's fantastic. Before we wrap up and do our toast for this evening, I'm curious, you're talking about, you know, we've we've gone through preserving our history, securing our history, We've gone through building improvements. We've talked about future as far as hopes, but what is the plans 
for securing uh, Hayes Lodge moving into the future? Where, what do you see that vision of what Hayes is going to be in the years to come? Well, first, we need to get an archival kit from the Kansas Lodge research. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it really comes down to instituting that culture of, of being proactive and, and having that ownership and instilling that. Um, of the people that are um, that have come into the, the fraternity uh, under my tenure, I guess, um, I'm like flat up told them like, hey, we're totally rebuilding things. We This is going to be work. And so they, they know what the deal is when they come in. And so we've um, tried to um, instill that culture of what we want Freemasonry to look like. Um, like you, That's really about it that anybody can do. It's like, what do you want Freemasonry to look like? Think about it and work towards that. Yeah, and, and so we're just making sure that as we go forward, the people that are going to be in the warden's chairs and the master's chair, they, they understand that and that they're working for that as well. Um, we're fortunate that we have a renter, so our building is, you know, we're not in any danger of losing our, our temple, um, but we just losing the culture of the lodge is the biggest part of it. You, you've got to institute something that's worth doing and, and make sure that whoever's coming up behind you is ready to do that. And that's, that's part of the reason why I've been the master for so long is, you know, there's that joke about like, Oh, you finally got it right. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Finally, you know, I, I didn't want to just um, like, Oh, you've been a, a master Mason for a year. You were the junior warden. And well, guess what? Cause that's what happened with me and, and it worked out, but yeah. we, we don't want to do that. We want to be more thoughtful and deliberate about what it is that we're doing. Um, and in terms of making sure that that vision continues to go forward. I mean, and you, you can't do it without talking. I mean, the book, yeah. there's a book called the craft driven lodge. Everybody needs to read it. Um, it, it it's, it's so stupid. The thesis statement of that book is like, uh, talk to everybody in your lodge and find out what they want and do that. Yeah. Really? That's the big secret? We just talk? And it is. Go for it. It's one of those things I was reading it. I was like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Like, really? Because it was like, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's merit there, right? Because. <laughs> yeah. Our lives talk as is, but we get caught up on the pointless stuff and dwell into it for hours and hours and fail to get to those core items that yeah. really help us. <laughs> the things that really, really matter. Yeah. And it's amazing what you don't see in the old minute books. <laughs> That's a great point. So bringing up old minute books and we've talked about Kansas Lodge research. I'm going to try not to cough getting through this. I've got and a bag of mints, so disregard that. But you'll see over here, we've got actually, here's one in the car, five kits ready to go out. The oh. Grand Lodge of Kansas helped fund three more of those bad boys. They are all programmed, they're all built, they're all ready to go. I've got one in the car that I need to dump and it will be uh, ready to go as well. So. If you're in Kansas, we're offering this to Kansas Lodges right now, but we've helped countless other jurisdictions build like-minded programs like the Brothers in Massachusetts. And if your jurisdiction is interested in this, get a hold of me. We're glad to give you our blueprint of what we've done to help you. But we're offering these out on loan to Kansas Lodges right now for free. 
to get your history uh, preserved before something happens to it, before something happens tomorrow and your precious books end up like that page in the Hayes book where you just can't barely read it anymore because of damage or it burns up in a fire or you guys close and it ends up in an estate sale. We don't know the future, but if we can scan that today, we can preserve it for years to come and at least have the data and keep that lodge, uh, their memory alive and be able to learn from it. Uh, so if you're a Kansas Lodge or a member of a Kansas Lodge watching this and you're interested, even you, Brother Neely, let us know. We will get you one of these kits just as soon as possible. Brother, we typically end this out with a toast. I'm on antibiotics with COVID, so I'm, I'm toasting with a Coke Zero. But would you mind leading us in a toast this evening? Well, the first thing I need to do is I need to get out of the lodge room. Fair. Um, because... Um, for those of you that are familiar with the laws of Kansas Masonry, to toast you in here would be a, an offense against the body, and that would be bad. So I joined for the preparation room, which I think is okay. And if it's not, please. We can hear you, but you know. some slack. <laughs> uh, so good? Oh, yep, back here, back. Kind of. Walking for Beck? Yep, there he is. Now he's moving. Okay. Forgive me, brothers. We're good? We're good? We're good? Good. Go for it. I wanted to join you. Like I said, I wanted to join you from the preparation room, but now I will uh, join you from the hallway with the past masters. Um, it's all my brethren. Forever dispersed. Um, I wish you all the best. Thank you for joining us tonight. And, uh, cheers. Cheers. Brother Michael Stoops uh, threw in the comments there. He said, Leadership Academy 2025 is going to be in Dublin, Ireland. I'm I'm actually down for that. It, it's been written. It is what it is. It's got to happen now. It's been oh, Stoops. Stoops, I'm supposed to hike the West Highland Way in 2025. I don't know that I can do both. Can we I don't know, combine the two or something? I don't know. But there'll be cannon fire toasts in Ireland. What's the worst? A thing? Fire toast. A bunch of Do you know what the West Highland Way is? The West Highland Way is a, a hiking with every night is a cannon fire toast in a pub. <laughs> Stoop says no. Dublin, Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. That's probably, yeah, that's probably more manageable. <laughs> we're, we're good. I'm good on that. There you go. Well, brother, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, thank you for having me and and Alex and the rest of the craft and all my brothers watching. I'm so sorry for boning this up so bad with the, you were fantastic. With the camera angle and the, and the technology. Uh, we went from a great signal to my phone saying I had no internet, period. It's It's been kind of a, I admit, it's, it's been a circus of my own making, so I apologize, but thank you for bearing with us. No, you you were fantastic, brother. Uh, you you've got me locked in. I can't wait to get out there now and do some digging through those records with you. And hopefully, we can get you one of these kits to get those preserved. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Well, brother, thank you so much. Please tell your family hello and thank you for letting us steal you away for a little bit That's this evening. Right. With that, everyone thank out you. there, thank you for watching. Until next time, keep preserving the history of Freemasonry, and we will see you in a couple of weeks right back here on Historical Light. Have a great night.